Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yes, hi everyone. And for the final time in 2020, welcome to the Gang and Pod. David Wiener with you once again, joined by Michael Bridges and John Aloisi to talk about all the current issues in the Premier League and water football and present our Gagan Doors, the awards from off the sport for the calendar year of 2020. So much to tuck into as ever. Let's get started. Gents, terrific to see you. John, you and I are looking as professional as ever and Bridgie reminding us we've got to get some festive cheer into us. How are you, gents? Bridgie, how are you? You're looking I'm very well, Dave. In your Olaf-inspired Christmas outfit. Getting into the spirit and the swing of things. I've got the Christmas jumper on. The Pommies are renowned for Christmas jumpers, as you well know, Dave. So got the snowman with a carrot nose. And the wife said, why don't you do it in front of the Christmas tree? Because she's put a lot of effort into getting it looking very Christmassy. So I thought, you know, I'll do her the right thing, Dave. She thinks it's You're a happy. video call. She doesn't realize it's a podcast. <laughs> I have to say, it looks very good, Bridgie. And plus, uh, looks like a lot of presents back there. Hopefully, some are uh, not, well, not all of them are for you. I've been some checking how kids. many have got dad written on them, and there's not many. <laughs> Just, in all honesty, where on earth do you get a shirt like that from? Seriously. Dave, in the UK, the, the week building up to Christmas it is all about Christmas jumper parties. People just go out, they get the Christmas jumpers. There is so many to choose from, and it's a big knitted woolly jumper. You don't get many options or many times to wear them in Australia, and when you do, it's only for five minutes. And I thought, I've got to get it out of the cupboard, get the cobwebs off, and um, here it is. Now, if I was Richard Bayless, I'd be making a joke about the two noses looking at me through the camera with the <laughs> snowman's carrot nose on it. But I'm not Richard Bayless, so we're going to kick on, Richard. I would never do such a thing. John, what's caught your eye since we last spoke on the Gagapod? It's not like there's been a shortage of football. No, what hasn't caught our eye? The 7-0 Liverpool win. That's the biggest one that's caught my eye because we spoke about at the beginning of the season. They were my favourites to win the title. Bridgie picked Man City. Sorry to bring that up, Bridgie, but... Um, and then with all those injuries, we thought, oh, maybe Liverpool could actually stumble here and, and struggle. But 7-0, eight shots on target, seven goals. That's incredible. And the goals were phenomenal. It was such a good, professional, ruthless performance. And they really made a statement beating a difficult Palace side by seven goals. Yeah, didn't they? What? You know what impressed me as well? The the Marnie substitution when he's looking over going, are you kidding me? I, I can score a hat full of goals here. The rivalry in the competition between Marnie and Salah is brilliant. And, you know, the gaunt was thrown down by Klopp. Salah comes on and I'll tell you what, his final goal was just a oh, just a moment hmm. of brilliance in the Premier League. Did either of you have a team like that? that? Yeah, oh, look, I, I think you always got a couple that are like that in your team and you want that. You can't have too many, though. Um, 
and, and look, and I'm sure Timmy Cale won't mind me saying, Timmy was a little bit like that. Harry was a little bit like that. Yeah. That they, you know, they want to, it, it, it's uh, it's about them grabbing the moment, grabbing the goals. Um, Harry probably less so once he got a little bit older, but uh, that's what made it's, them special. John, there's nothing wrong with that. And Dave, we understand that as long as it doesn't become toxic, there's it's, it's all about having that rivalry on the field. I had it with Kevin Phillips. I always wanted to play in front of Kev. Sunderland, he was the he was the, the main man. When I got my opportunity, I was made sure that I was ready to come on and score goals, to try and just force the manager's hand to play in me. Off the field, me and Kev absolutely brilliant. And John will, you know, John will say that. When it becomes toxic and the players aren't speaking in the dressing room and things like that, that's when it can get out of hand because that spreads very, very quickly. Yeah, well, clearly, given it happened about a year ago, if we remember, Klopp has kept a pretty good handle on it because they'd be going okay in between then. So um be interesting to see what happens. And we're going to talk about Marcella a little bit later on, though, and I'll, and I'll be interested if this comes up in that conversation because he's done some interviews in Spain during the week and they have made worldwide headlines uh, overnight. So or in the last couple of days. So we'll bring that up a little bit later. Just going to touch quickly on just the latest results in the Premier League by the time you listen to this podcast. And uh, on Tuesday morning, the Monday night fixture in the UK was Chelsea 3, West Ham 0. John, a good result for Chelsea. The the result, or the scoreline, sorry, possibly flattering the side with top Tammy Abraham's late brace? It did. Look, it was a, a pretty flat performance, if you want. You know, you can call it flat. They they were doing the job. West Ham uh, had a majority of the possession in the second half without creating any serious chances. Um, and then Chelsea turned it on the last 10 minutes. Once the second goal went in, then they looked like they're free-flowing again. I, I think because they lost two on the trot, it was important that they got that win. And so it was more about getting the job done. Um, but they've got... We know the firepower they got up top. So as soon as they start to to, to click like Pulisic and Werner, Werner can't buy a goal at the moment, mind you. <laughs> seven uh, games, the, seven starts straight, actually. No goal. <laughs> hitting the crossbar at the end. You just see the frustration in his face, like going, what do I have to do to get a goal? Um, but, um, you know... 3-0, yes, it probably flattered them a little bit, but they deserve the win. Hey, I'd rather be winning 1-2 or 3-0 when you're playing poorly or you're not dominating games. So I'm as as a Chelsea fan, which I am not, Dave, you are, um, you'd be, you know, you've got to look at that and think, you know what it is, if we're playing bad and we're getting results like that, you've got to be happy. Yeah, look, they wrote it out. That was the thing, is that 1-0, they, they, they were on the back foot for a fair bit of that, that match and managed to actually uh, reduce West Ham to not creating many chances. And then two really good goals at the end. But you touched on Werner. That's the other thing I want to ask both you strikers about. Um, can't buy a goal. He's getting into positions, but his finishing's leaving a little bit to desire, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, and, and Bridgie will, will, you know, touch on this as well. But what are you look, trying to one... say? I missed lots of chances. No, no, I'm you're going to touch that. on this. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that we've, we've all missed chances. All strikers <laughs> miss chances. When things aren't going your way, they just don't seem to go your way. But once yeah. the ball hits the back of the net, they will start to roll again. Because his finish this morning, the one that hit the crossbar, wasn't a bad finish. Uh, you know, a little bit lower. Uh, that goes in, and you know, the confidence is back. There was one uh, instance in the second half where. Tammy Abraham crossed the ball and was just a bit too far in front of Werner. If Tammy mm. Abraham hit that first time, Werner gets on the end of it. So those things aren't quite John, working out for him. There was another the moment. moment in the first half, Pulisic did the same thing. He just yeah. held on to the ball too long and Werner had to get it out of his feet. And by the time he's tried that, 
you're, you're, you're snatching at things. So yeah. in, in, in hindsight, John's bang on what he's saying. Sometimes it's that little extra moment of the delivery when you get it earlier so you can adjust and refocus. And I'd be more worried if Werner wasn't scoring and wasn't getting chances. There's nothing nothing worse. So, you know, when, when you analyse your own game and the manager and the coaches sit down with you and go, look, this is the situation you got in. You got in the position here. If this was delivered better, you might have scored at this moment. So it's it's still good signs that there's chances being created. There's some also some really interesting analysis for anyone listening that hasn't seen it from Alan Shearer, obviously the Premier League's greatest goal scorer on the Optusport app, where he dissects where Tammy Abraham has improved and has a very similar thought to you both that Werner's getting in the positions, but maybe Chelsea's supply wasn't quite where he needed it and he'd be banging them in if it was just that little bit better. So I recommend you watching or, or reading about that on the Optusport app if you have not. That win moves Chelsea up to fifth. It's so tight. You know, you're one game away from a crisis in the Premier League and you're one win away from being back on the verge of the top four so it's quite incredible but speaking of uh, uh interesting results which is putting pressure on coaches burnley beat wolves 2-1 this morning and there were some very interesting comments post game by nuno espirito santo about referee lee mason let's have a listen i don't i don't like but i must say it because i will not feel right um the referee doesn't have quality to to whistle a game on a Bremen league this is a problem that we knew we already had Lee Mason before. It's not about uh, the crucial mistakes or the, the decisions. It's about the way he handles the game. He, the players get nervous, too much voices. He play, he whistles by the voices. The, when some players shout, he, he doesn't have. He doesn't have. So we are talking about the best competition, and clearly, he doesn't have quality to to whistle the game. I'm very disappointed to say this. Really disappointed, but I'll not feel right if I didn't say it. So, gents, goals from Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood got the job done for Burnley, who are now in a reasonable run of form. Um, Wolves, it's an interesting reaction, John, from Nuno, because it was a reasonably otherwise what looked like a straightforward, disappointing loss, but quite wild post-match comments. Yeah, he's either trying to put pressure on referees. Um, I think it's more that he's under a little bit of pressure. They've spent a lot of money in the off-season, the season before last. Um, I think the expectations are a lot higher now. It's not just about, oh, let's see if we can make European football. It's no, we need to make European football. We need to be pushing for Champions League. And they've, even though they had a decent start, they're a little bit hit and miss with their results. Um, and I think that's why, he, and he probably sees it as well with Jimenez being out. They, they don't look lost, like, they, yeah, Huge that's loss. a massive, that's a massive loss. That's a massive loss. So I think it's more pressure. That's why he's reacted the way he's reacted. He's feeling it a little bit now. This is his first real test because now they're no, no underdogs anymore. Now you expect Wolves to go and beat uh, a Burnley easily, even though Burnley, let's give them their, their due respect. They're a difficult team to play against as well. And yeah. They deserve to win this morning. Do you know what I think caught them out as well? They, you know, Wolves are that counter-attacking team. They'll sit back, they'll absorb pressure, they'll counter-attack. It was almost like two stalemates came up against each other. And Wolves have found themselves dominating the game. They've had the most chances. They didn't get as many chances on target as they would have liked. But the possession stats, they've all, it's almost like they ran out of ideas thinking... We, we don't find ourselves dominating games in this way. Burnley just absorbed, frustrated the hell out of them and they couldn't counter-attack in behind because Burnley was so deep. And, you know, fair play to Dyche. He just said, we're going to play our normal game and see if we can scrape something and frustrate them. And that's what they did. So interestingly there, you know, Wolves, I mean, they beat Chelsea last start. So when we talk about sort of week to week 
fortunes fluctuating, um, but they are only 11th. So uh, after disappointing missing out on Europe last year, it's just a bit of inconsistency there from Wolves. But Burnley, they're a point away from Arsenal, gentlemen, who are in 15th position. And Mikel Arteta overnight. I want to just ask you guys to try and make a bit of sense about what sense he's making of Arsenal's problems. We said last year we won against Everton with a 25% chance of winning. You win at 3-2. Last weekend, it was a 67% chance of winning any Premier League game in history and a 9% chance of losing. And you lose 3% against Burnley and you lose 7 I'm lost. I'm lost. And I think he might be too with those quotes. Can you guys give him absolutely uh, any hope going into this period? I can give you 100% that I had no idea what he was going on about. I, I stopped reading the quote halfway through because I got to 7% and I'm like, all right, you've lost it. I've got no idea what he's talking yeah. about. What, what he's trying to do, he's trying to say they're not as bad as what everyone's making out they are, um, but the table doesn't lie. Now, I think that he's trying to buy as much time as possible. That's what he'll be going to his own, like the owners, the hierarchy in the club, the people that make the big decisions. Look at our percentage rate. Look at our winning percentage rate. If we uh, create this many chances or if we get into this area this many times, normally you'll win the football game. At the moment, we're not because we're low on confidence. But don't worry, we'll turn it around. I think that's what he's trying to say. But he's trying to convince people that, I'm convinced. Because... Can, I, can I put it in my mindset, John? Right, you love yeah. this one. My analysis. He's on. A, he's on the escalator. He's in a shopping mall, and he's on the escalator, and he's trying to get up that escalator. Yeah, and it's going against him. And yeah. all the results, and all the other teams and managers are at the top of that, just speeding it up like a treadmill. Going, come on, then catch us <laughs> if you can. He's he's on a height to nothing. He is clutching at straws at the moment. I really yeah. feel for him. He's got so much going on. And when you've, you know, the, the culture that we talked about, he changed. Mm. Now the results are going pear shaped. He's in a world of pain, man. And, uh, and it doesn't this, get any easier. Nah, Chelsea. not this Christmas period. Have you yeah. seen what's coming? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Tough, tough period for him. Tough period for Arsenal because um, they are low on confidence. And uh, they did have a decent start under Arteta when he first arrived. They won a, a major trophy. But um, you know what? They've had a, a really hard start to the season. And I can't see it turning that quick. Whether he's going to last the whole season, I don't know. I well, hope he does. I hope they give him time, but I'm not sure. The best part about this, if people want to be entertained, is obviously watch all the matches on Optus Sport or listen to the Gagan pod, Dave Wiener. But the Arsenal TV, oh, if anybody gets a chance, that has been absolutely hilarious just watching these guys. They, they can't see anything constructive. It's just assassination after assassination. I've been, I've been loving it. So in all seriousness, and and you know, we have spoken about Arsenal a lot on, on the Gagan pod in recent months about their culture and whatnot, but the reasonable, patient person in all of us wants to say, Arteta's going to be a great coach and they've got to give him time. But at what point does it become, oh my goodness, we've got to save this season and the only way we can do that is a bit of, is something dramatic. Like, Are the stakes that dramatic over the next, say, two to three weeks? Yes. They are. Because you know what? If, if they start to fall into relegation zone, which they're not far off, mind you, um, it starts to become dramatic. And, and that's when they're going to need to make a decision. I, I think that what will buy them a little bit of time, if they get a few results over the Christmas period and they still do well in the Europa League, which, you know, they, they could, uh, uh, you know, go very far into that sort of competition. 
But uh, I, I think that if they don't pick up results over this Christmas period and they start to drop into relegation, because let's not underestimate Fulham either. I think Fulham are playing good football. They've picked the, up hugely, John, yeah. They're a team that could pick up points and yeah. actually push Arsenal. Brighton will still pick up their points because I think they've played well most of the season. They just uh, haven't picked up the points they probably deserve. And under Big Sam, you know, Bridgie, what he can actually deliver. It's not the prettiest to watch, but he can get results. I so, think Arteta was delighted when he saw, saw Sam sign for West Bromwich Albion because I reckon Sam had been hanging around at the Etihad, at the Emirates. <laughs> Sam was, Sam's CV was in there, I'm telling you. Now, that would have made my... I'd never thought I would ever see that in my lifetime. Sam Allardyce, as the manager of Arsenal. Hey, I'll tell you what, it must have been pretty close. <laughs> okay. So is it does he survive this period, Bridgie? I think they're gonna give him through the Christmas period. There's a lot of games come thick and fast. I think the last it wouldn't they've either got to do it now and get somebody in to give him a fresh charge to get through these games, or they've got to give Arteta the end of that Christmas and New Year period. And then once they get that little break and opportunity again. You get that window of a, of a week to two weeks with the international break and things like that, um, possibly. Possibly then. I think it's too soon now. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. A tough run, as you suggest. Now, one discussion they are not in as we head into the Christmas period of fixtures is the title race, where Liverpool are back on top, four points clear of Leicester, with United and Everton rounding out the top four, with Chelsea fifth, Tottenham, what, a week after we discussed them in the top of the table clash, they're sixth, Southampton seventh, Bridges tip Manchester City down in eighth. Now They've got a game in hand. With a game in hand, true, as do United. Now, uh, with Liverpool playing Palace, West Bromwich Albion and Newcastle before the year is out. John, after talking up a title race a few weeks ago, are we now talking up a case that uh, it's Liverpool's to lose, maybe perhaps by the turn of the year? I think it's too early to say that uh, it's Liverpool's to lose because I still think that the, the, the top sides, when once they play Liverpool, might have a say in, in you know getting results against them and, and they, them dropping points. I still think Man United... Don't underestimate where they've come from. We keep on riding Solskjaer off. I don't know why, because he seems to turn it around. You know, look at that result against the Leeds. I know that upset you, Bridgie, but what a massive result that is. What what game and- was that, John? <laughs> I must and- have, sorry, I must have missed that one. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, Liverpool will get better because they're going to have their players coming back from injury with Thiago and, and the like coming back. Oxley Chamberlain I- came on. Yeah. Yeah, I still think, though, that Manchester United have got a lot left in them. Once they find their consistency, which they have away from home, and now after this win at home, maybe they they might be a dark horse in in actually pushing a Liverpool. Right. I'm asking you straight out, Bridgie. Manchester City, Premier League winner. Discuss. If they sign a number nine, I can't say it enough. If they get somebody in that is going to score them goals in January, they're going to be in with a chance. If they don't and they're going to rely on Aguera being in and out, Jesus and Torres. Oh, hang on. No, you're you're jumping down to eighth on the table. I'm sticking you up with a... I'm asking you the big question about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, sorry, mate. What? Can they win the title? Can they win Manchester United Premier League champions this season? No chance. (laughs) Leeds played the Leeds played in their hands. It was counter attack, so there was lots of space for Man United to get in there and exploit. If you have a look at the a lot of the games, Man United's home result against Red Bull Leipzig. What do they play? A high pressing line. They got in behind them. I think what the difference between the Liverpool 
playing at Crystal Palace, they've put seven past them, a team that gets back in numbers. Manchester United find it very hard to break down them teams that aren't going to allow them to have any any space. The Leeds played right by their hands. It was the, the movement, the forward runs, they couldn't handle it. Uh, and Leeds, Bielsa's not going to change that. So fair play, they had, a, they had a goal, they got caught out. But United cannot win the title, no, no chance. So you're saying, so I mean, it was the dream scenario against Leeds. Uh, John, yeah. can Solskjaer find that balance and fix that very flaw that Bridgie pointed out, which is what's held them back so far? Oh, that's a tough question. I, I don't think they have got it this season. I agree with Bridgie. I think when teams actually sit off or they're not playing so well that they, they really struggle to, to create chances, uh, especially at home. We look at the game against West Brom where they just won 1-0. They really struggled because of that the factor of them sitting off. They, they're more likely to beat a Liverpool, um, a Chelsea, a Man City that come out and play. But when you come up against teams that sit off, they struggle. This is where it's going to be a big test for them against Leicester because I think that Leicester are smart enough and also good enough to actually hold Manchester United, restrict that space for that counter-attacking football like Bridge is saying. And um, so if they can actually beat a Leicester, then you have to start to think, well, maybe he can get it right. So who is the greatest chance of threatening Liverpool? Is it Liverpool themselves or is it Leicester? Is it Chelsea? Is it Tottenham? Is it Everton? What are we throwing out? I think it's you've got to, you can't look past Man City. You know, and, um, Tottenham are going to be in the bouts, but um, realistically, being the you know being a supporter of them, it's not going to happen. I'd be looking at Chelsea and Man City. If anybody is really going to have have a go, I'd be looking at them too for the squad depth in Chelsea and the quality um, when they get it right. Um, and with Man City, you just never know what Pep's going to produce or that team. Um, we've seen them destroy teams in the past and seasons gone by. We've only seen it once this season. Um, and I, like I say, in January is going to be very interesting if they do splash out and get somebody. So they're the only two I can see. I agree. I think Chelsea, Man City, and I'll throw Man United in the mix. I know that uh, a lot of people don't think they can, but uh, with some of the players they've got, you know, look, I look at Bruno Fernandes, and mm. we're going to talk about it later about you know who you believe the signing of the season and whatever else. He's uh, when he plays well, Man United win. And majority of the time, he's playing well. He sets up chances. He scores goals. He's he's involved in everything going forward. Uh, and then you know, Rashford's looking strong. Martial's looking better than he had been in the past. Uh, you know, good to see James come in and score. They still got Greenwood that comes in. Cavani's still you know not a hundred percent fit. They've got firepower. How can you go past a team with so much firepower? I'll tell you Bridges, what, Bridges Bridges just, no, I just like the way you've just sprinkled a little little bit of a, a taster on there with Bruno Fernandes saying, oh, he he's in your mix for Ballon, Ballon d'Or sign of the season. We'll take he's a commercial getting, break now. Hang around he's later. He's getting the <laughs> listeners hanging on. It's got me fascinated. Oh, he's trying to he's trying to make me change my mind. There you go. Yeah. One or two. Um, Bridget, we've, I feel like we've been talking about this for all year, but I just want to check in on how you're feeling about uh, Jose one week on from uh, talking him up as title challenges um it's been a pretty harrowing week does this now sort of start to change the the emotions of spurs fans now that we're at the 
awful style but not picking up point situation? No, we're just back to where we belong and what we are all about. You know, we, it was nice to be a little bit excited um, when he produced. And, you know, the Christmas period again, that was, I think it was a bounce back to reality and um, to show that there's still a little bit needed. Wolves coming up next and then Fulham. So it's a, it's a, it's a good little spell, this one for Spurs going over the Christmas period. I, when I looked at the fixtures for the next three or four matches, I looked and I thought um, Spurs with Wolves, Fulham and Leeds, potentially, you know, that's, they can pick up a few results there. But Arsenal, we've just mentioned Arteta. Arsenal, for me, if they can get through this game against Chelsea, um, which is their next one, which you know I think Arteta does not need, um, they've got a nice little run coming up. They've got Brighton. They're going to give them a little bit of leeway there. Then they've got West Bromwich Albion. And then they've got Crystal Palace going into Newcastle United. So that's why I was saying the pressure could be off Arteta after them four matches after the Chelsea game. And going back to Spurs, I've tried to body swerve it. Yeah, we're back to where we started. It's it's just what we expect. I tell you what, it's a nice run or it's a potentially a fatal run, one or, yeah, the, one yeah. or the other. Um, the Liverpool game really hurt me, but that that's the reality. They, they you know that that's where they are, and if they're doing that with a weakened team. Tottenham and Jose are a long way off, even though Mourinho thought the, the worst team lost. I disagree. <laughs> and John, on just rounding out the title race chat, um, we've, we've been pre- pretty critical on this show about Guardiola in terms of their attacking situation. But just to flip it slightly, you know, obviously with the win over Southampton on the weekend, could he actually mount a title charge in a really different way, actually on the foundation of what's now completely rebuilt defence with, surprisingly, stones ahead of Laporte? Yes, because they don't concede. They don't concede goals. They, they, they can grind out results. And eventually, you know, they're going to score more goals than not. That at the moment, they're struggling, yes, to score goals. They're struggling really to create clear-cut chances. Um, but they've shown that they can win a different way. And I think that uh, they can still, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't rule them out of a title race because, because of that reason. Uh, because of the, the, I think Stones is is reborn again, and uh, and that's because of he's playing alongside Diaz, who's been exceptional. Mm. Uh, I, I actually think that defensively, Man City are a lot better. That was a difficult game against Southampton. Southampton are a good side. They put Man City under pressure, and they dealt with it. That's that's a positive sign. Mm. Eight points off and the pace, but a game in hand. They've got Newcastle next game, correct? I can tell you that in one second. That could be an absolute... I, I, I'm going to call it here. I remember I called it John 5-0 against Burnley a few weeks yeah, back. I said City would get a lot in. You this did. game could be catastrophic for Newcastle United and Steve Bruce. They, they got hammered um, off Leeds United. This they, one, have got, they have got them. They, 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 they're playing them at home. So Man City playing Newcastle at home. This could be a big result. 7 a.m. Sunday, yeah. uh, Sunday Eastern time. Because Newcastle are still struggling with the few COVID cases in the squad. The Northeast has been obliterated. Sunland Football Club have had to cancel three of their matches. I think Millwall have just had to do the same. It's 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 spreading very, very quickly. And I don't think this is going to help Newcastle United one bit with Steve Bruce going so, up so, against so, the city. So Man City played Newcastle, so Newcastle have got a tough one there. But then the next game they've got Liverpool Newcastle. <laughs> oh, Good man. luck. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for them because they have been hurt big time with the COVID situation. Yeah, yeah, they have indeed. Well, the fixtures, oh, there's no relenting because the fixtures flow in thick and fast for all the players there. For us, it's a treat over the festive period, but uh, we, will, we will learn a lot about all the races in the competition over the coming probably fortnight. Now, one man who unfortunately won't be involved in one of those discussions in terms of probably the relegation race is Matt Ryan. I mean, it looks like he's 
all but done and dusted at Brighton and Hove Albion, um, just judging by the comments of Graham Potter and then not including him in his squad twice. John, what should Matt Ryan do now? I think Matt Ryan's got enough points on the board. And what I mean by that, he's played at a high level for a long period and played well, um, even though Graham Potter doesn't think that he's the one that will suit Brighton and suit them going forward. I think he has to move. I think that he's good enough to get a good move either in the Premier League or you know in La Liga or even Serie A or in Germany. I think that uh, Matt Ryan can't be sitting on the bench or in the stand like he has been. I think he needs to play football because he's our number one goalkeeper for the Socceroos and he's at that age that he needs to be playing regular football and I, he's good enough. He's, he's got um, enough uh, I think like I said before, points on the board that people know what he's capable of doing. Yeah. That's a surprise you, Bridgie, that it sort of escalated this quickly. We know we got a warning I, shot a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I, I can't believe how quickly it's done because any, you know, when he first started, he was absolutely magnificent. And there was a lot of teams taking notice, by the way, that were watching his progress. Um, and it's this season, I mean, his second bottom in the, you know, the goalkeeping stats of, of Matty Ryan regarding minutes played, goals conceded, all the stats. He's, he's right down second bottom. Now, I agree with John. I think he's done enough in his first few, oh, his matches that were early on in his season to make people wake up. But I'll tell you what, the stats do not lie. And there's a lot of these clubs or stats. Like I know Newcastle United based their signings. Um, well, that shows where they are on statistics and players from other leagues that had high stats that they could bring in at a certain age. So Matty Ryan, if it's a stats team that are looking at that, they're going to go, you know, he's not good enough for this. There's other teams and other managers that would have had a, will have a go at him. I just didn't like Potter's comments when he was it wasn't reassuring. It didn't give him any insight when he was asked, is his future here? There was no, oh, yes, definitely. It, for me, it just spoke volumes. He's, he's gone. Mm. And the bit that I didn't like, he said that Matt Ryan's distribution and his, his ability to play out with his feet is not good enough. He, I don't know. He, he needs to go back and just look at Matty Ryan's highlight reels from Australian national team, from the teams he's played for. I think he's, his game is based around that and he's a shot stopper. Um, so I, I really thought that was a huge dig at Matty Ryan um, from the manager, which goes against everything that I thought his attributes were based on. As professional players, um, I'd love to know from your experiences, how do you actually cope with such a situation? And I know it's probably a bit more extreme as a goalkeeper um, when you know you are pretty much, if you're third, you know, you've gone from starting to the bench, you're in all sorts. But um, when you're faced with this, A, just the challenge of getting back in the team, but B, like mentally, when you're looking at it going, I've been, I'm almost being frozen out here. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to take this one away, John? Yeah, you can take it. And I'll, I'll have a, a story or two as well, Brittany. <laughs> tell you what, I, I wish I'd had this advice and listened to the advice from a senior player and Gary Breen, who was my captain at Sunland. And he, we just got promoted with Mick McCarthy from the championship to the Premier League. I'd, gone there on loan and then I'd signed another contract to stay at the football club because we got promoted. There was um, Paul, uh, Marcus Stewart, Stevie Elliott with the strikers and myself. And we were just playing a bit part that season to get promotion. Everybody played their part. Mick McCarthy got me in and he said, listen, you obviously you were third choice um, last season. You came in, you played your part. I'm going to sign two strikers. You're a great guy. I love having you on the dressing room. Do you want to stay? But you're not going to play. It's going to be bit football. And it was the first manager that's been honest with me and actually put it down and laid the gauntlet down. I thought, well, I could sit here, but the reason I went to Sunderland was to play games because I'd been out with injuries. 
I went back into the dressing room. I spoke to the captain, uh, Gary Breen, and he said, Bridgie, he said, listen, just sit it out. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be players he signs that are not going to fit in. There's going to be suspensions. You are going to get your chance and your opportunity at some point to play Premier League football again. I thought it was great advice, but in reality, I just went, do you know what it is? I need to go back down to the championship. And I moved and I went to Bristol City. And biggest dis- Worst decision I have ever made because the Premier League, Sunderland struggled. They had an injury crisis. They had suspensions. I would have been playing in the third game of the season. And who knows what could have happened then. So I I look back and wish I'd listened to advice. So what I'm saying is, Matty Ryan, if he can sit tight and he's got long enough to sit there and wait it out, there might be a change in manager. You never know. There could be an injury crisis. I'd love to see him just stick it out for a challenging part because it'll make him mentally stronger it'll be another niche in his armor for him to battle through to prove what it takes to be a top class keeper i played with gary breen at coventry and he Did got you? frozen yeah he got frozen out by gordon strachan and um, he sat it out trained hard trained uh, yeah, the house down really and waited go. for his opportunity and once he got that opportunity again he played and became Coventry City captain. So it was that was from his experience, Bridgie. He was talking from the experience that he had. And look, I, I, the same thing happened to me at Portsmouth. Alan Ball came in. He told me at the end of the season he didn't want any of the Australians that were signed under Terry Venables at the time with uh, Portsmouth. And um, he said, you're going to be not my first choice uh, striker, not my second, not my third. You're going to be like my sixth choice striker because I'm going to try and sign as many players as possible in that position. So I recommend you find another football club. I had nothing to go to. So I had uh, nothing better than what I was already at at Portsmouth. So I stuck it out and um, worked hard, trained hard and tried to convince him by doing that, that I was good enough to play I ended up getting my chances, Bridgie. One, two minutes here, three, four minutes there. All of a sudden, it comes a little bit longer, 30 minutes, score goals, score goals. By November, I had scored 17 goals in all comps, and I got to move to the Premier League with Coventry City. So sometimes when you do stick it out, that can happen. It can actually turn around. I think that's a valuable lesson for anybody listening. Do you know what I mean? That can pass on advice to even just some of the kids that are playing locally in academies around the country, MPL clubs, you know, the transition. Sometimes it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And it it it, it shows true character for the ones that are willing to roll their sleeves up. So fair play to you, John. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wonder if it's a slightly different situation for a goalkeeper. I mean, that's uh, that's the challenge there because you're probably well, almost relying we on, got on injury. Well, actually, <laughs> good segue, John. Good play because Schwartzy does tackle this issue on the Two Sharp Reds podcast. So you can listen to the Two Sharp Reds. You can listen to this on the Gagan Pod. It's an important issue for us here, Soccer Roos fans. So we have tackled it uh, well this week, which is the last thing I want to ask you, John. When I say to you this weekend, there'll be no Australians playing in the Premier League, 
What's your reaction to that? Sad. It's a sad uh, moment because, look, only Matty Ryan was really flying the flag after Aaron Moy left. Uh, and when Bridgie was playing Premier League football, how many Australians were there, Bridgie? There was at least over 15, 20 Australians. Oh, God, I, had I, seven, I had seven at Leeds United with me. Yeah, they were like it's, flies. It's, they were like pests. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> incredible. We we were like the adopted English. Uh, you know, there was that many Aussies everywhere that, that they loved us, and it, it's just it's a sad moment for Australian football because it's the best league in the world. It's the uh, the competition that, that is most watched around the world, and we haven't got one representative. And John, that, that's I, a, I don't want to be disrespectful. There was a lot of Australians playing in the league that then. And I'm not saying it was easier because the league was easier, but it was a lot easier to get access into the Premier League because of the work permit situation. I think the, what's made it hard now is the Brazilians that are in there, the Croatians and the South, South African players that are able to join the league. That's made it incredibly harder. But that generation of players that you were with, I'm talking about playing with Harry Kuehl and Mar Viduka. I have never seen, I think Viduka could have and should have been the best player in the world. Harry Kuehl was definitely up there with them. One had a different attitude as a worker and Viduka found it very easy because it was natural. I don't know where the next lot of players like that are going to come from with the quality that you guys had. And I don't know how you can emulate and replicate that. What I'm saying is it, it is a lot tougher nowadays, but there's nowhere near the standard of football and ability that your group of players had. It's a very... It's the multi-million dollar question, the billion dollar question. It's a podcast series. It's a deep dive. It's everything. It's what we've been talking about probably for how many years, John? And uh, we will continue to. But yeah, for right now, it's uh, it's actually come to a head with no one there this weekend. And it's it's really I, I think it's a, tra a tragedy. I mean, I've been here 11 years now. And, you know, I've always had a really good culture with Australians and because I, I played with so many of them at Leeds United, it was work hard, play hard. And that's what I loved. And you, I came over here and I embraced the, the culture. And it's just such a shame to see every single year less Australians playing in, I'm not talking about the Premier League, I'm talking about top top leagues in Europe and around the world. Yeah. It's not just the Premier League. It, there was a lot of other leagues out there and it is just an, it's been obliterated. So there's something fundamentally wrong. Well, yeah, and to answer your question before, John, uh, just before the World Cup in 2006, there were 13 Aussies in the Premier League, nine of whom played more than 10 games. And uh, something resonated with me when I caught up with Harry Kuehl in a bonus Gagan pod last week where he was reflecting on the Stuttgart game against Croatia. And he said, we played that game and we were at better clubs. We didn't fear them because we knew that we're playing at their level or above. And that's something we're not getting at the I'm moment. Gonna give you, I'm going to leave you with one thing. So if anybody's listening that's got any input or can help out with this, the... I wish they could change the rules and the laws regarding you've got to be 18 to go and play overseas now. Because I know Harry moved when he was 15. A lot of other players were able to do that from Ireland to come into England. The FIFA changed the laws and the change of rules. If you're going to go and make it at an academy, you've got to go when you are 15 or 16 or when you finish school to go and be part of their academy. Um, I think the boy Robertson, is it Mark Robertson's son's over yeah. there? He yeah. took a plunge yeah. because he was able to embrace yeah. with his family and do that. It's a huge upheaval for your families to go and do that, but the laws need to change from Australian players to be able to leave at an earlier age. Because if I am an academy owner and a director, and I can only sign an eight-year-old from Australia who's missed out on two or three years' development under my supervision and our philosophy, you've got no chance of getting in. You have got to be one of the world's best players to get into that academy. So until the laws change, 
and become 15 or 16 again. I hope James Johnson with his contacts can try and push this through for the sake of Australian juniors because clubs will not touch lads who are 18, 19 and 20 anymore. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Let's hope we can uh, see a tight end. Uh, Heuristic, Ajahn Heuristic made his debut in the Bundesliga on the weekend. So that was really positive to see. And Mitch Langerak just broke a record for clean sheets in Japan. So the two positives, we'll take those, but we need a lot, lot more. Hey, I'm just going to bring back an old segment. He said what? Um, I, don't have, I don't have that fantastically high-tech uh, little intro we used to have. So that's all you're getting. He said what? Uh, exactly. <laughs> and I want to go to an interview in AS in Spain that Mo Salah gave where he obviously was given the probing leading questions about going to Barca and Real Madrid and had to straight bat them and big headlines be made out of it. But the one that took my attention was about the captaincy against Michelin, which went to Trent Alexander-Arnold. And he said, honestly, I was very disappointed. I was expecting to be the captain, but it's the manager's decision. So I expect it. And a bit of a stir overnight when one of his former Egyptian teammates, Mohamed Aboutrika, sort of gave a, an interview, throwing a bit of uh, a fire in the works that, that Salah might look to leave uh, Liverpool at some point. Um, obviously, since it's come out and as, as happens since in the next 24 hours, there's been some question marks over the translation and whatnot. But there's definitely something simmering there. It's been carried in all the major papers and, and whatnot. I just want to throw to you guys your reaction to, to Mohamed Salah saying that and um particularly in light with what we spoke about earlier about his competitiveness, just your reaction to those headlines. Let, yeah, Mr. I think Sp- it, let Mr. Spain answer this one. Yeah, look, look. obviously the Spanish papers, and that's a, that's a Real Madrid paper. That's a big Real Madrid paper. So they're, they're actually pushing that he can go to Real Madrid. They're not dumb, those people. They know what they're doing. So, look, I think with that, I think um, sometimes you have to understand it gets taken out of context. He might have just said, look, I was disappointed, yeah, that I wasn't made captain because I was the most experienced player in the side. He's not a captain. And we spoke about it before because of his, um, you know, nature of being a little bit selfish. He wants to be the one that scores the most goals. He wants to be the leading goal scorer of the Premier League. He wants to beat Mane in that little one-on-one competition that they got. That's not captain material. So, look, I think that Klopp is 100% right in not giving him the captain's armband because I don't think he's got that in him and you don't want to take that selfishness away from him you want to try and control it because that's what makes him so is there a little bit more to it will he end up leaving Liverpool probably in the next year or two I think that Liverpool will probably cash in and then go sign someone like a Sancho um, because they'll keep on wanting to, you know, sort of rejuvenate their side because you can become a bit stale when you keep the same players for a long period. Question for you then, John. If, you ha- if you're the manager, you're Klopp, and you had to lose one of the three, Firmino, oh. Mane and Salah, which one would you sacrifice? Or which one would you keep uh, definitely? With questions like that, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee because that's, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. You know, you can't go past Salah's numbers. Yeah. His numbers are off the charts. The amount of goals he scores is incredible. Uh, even when he's not playing well, he seems to pop up and score. I think that Mane gives you more. I agree. I think, I think Ma- yeah. yeah, I think Mane gives you more. I think Mane can score goals. He can set up goals. But he also, his pressing is, you know, the, again, you, you talk about Liverpool's high-octane sort of way of football. That's that's Mane. Um and then, you know, probably the one that I could let go, even though he's a top player, is Firmino. I, I think that you could replace him uh, with someone else, but he's, he's 
definitely, you know, he suits Liverpool the way they play. Uh, so he will probably be the one that would make way and bring in another striker. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. Now, before we head into the gag and doors, just, just two hit or miss statements from you guys just to end off. First one to you, Bridgie. Um, if I say the Premier League bottom three will stay as is, concludes our chat from a bit earlier. Uh, do you think it's Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United with five months to go or is there a big twist to come and a big casualty? The big twist is Sheffield United can finish in the European spot, Dave Weider. Not. <laughs> <laughs> they are gone. There is no last year. There is no recovery. Sheffield United have gone. West Brom under Sam Allardyce, if they had a kept um, Slavon Bilic, I would have said they're gone. With Sam, you just never know. There, there's something about it. He's got the track record. The stats do not lie. And, you know, the first red card that happened to Livermore, the captain, he's just come out and just annihilated him. So straight away, Sam has been able to get his ownership and what he expects from the players over in week one, thanks to his captain totally disregarding anything they're about in discipline. Um, Fulham, I really like the way they've been playing um, and I think they can get out of trouble. I'm going to say that it could be... It could be a Brighton that gets sucked into that bottom. And that's why I'm saying to Matty Ryan, just hang around because Potter might not be the manager soon. Interesting, yeah. Well, there's going to be another twist. It, it doesn't end is. in December. Doesn't I think, end I'll December. tell you what, though. I, I, reckon, um, I reckon there could be another team from London down there. And that could be Arsenal. Just, just imagine it. No, you don't want to imagine a team like Arsenal. No, I don't. I'm, listen, I'm a Spurs fan and Arsenal, That I don't want to see them. No, I, don't, I want to... I, I want to see them get up and out of that. Um, not not too high, but yeah, I I, they cannot get relegated. No, but it would be funny. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't be funny if you're an Arsenal fan. That's for sure. No. Uh, John, I just want to throw a, a different topic at you on that we haven't touched on uh, too much. But um, going to the Christmas period, AC Milan is still top of Serie A. Um, what do you make of that? And is that sustainable going forward? Inter Milan are breathing down their necks. We know the big guns, Juventus, are going to be there or thereabouts and recover. AC Milan and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I think they will be there or thereabouts. Have they got enough to win it? I don't think they've got the depth in their squad to win it. I think they're overachieving at the moment in the, the, their results of being top of the table. Uh, I like the way that they've been playing. And, you know, uh, Zlatan's been on fire, even though the last uh, game uh, two or two he's been injured. So I don't know how long he's going to be out for. I still think Inter Milan are the only team that can push Juventus. I think Juventus, even though there was a slowest start under Pirlo, they won 4-0 the other day against Padma, their best performance of the season. They're slowly getting it right. I think Pirlo will get it right. I think he's uh, he's very calm the way he goes about things. He's uh, precise in the way he makes his decisions. I think that they, they will get it right. And Inter Milan... Conte, I think that, uh, again, he's very criticised in Italy. They, they, they're smashing him all over the place, but they're up there and they've got a squad to do it. Mm. I think he'll get rid of Ericsson in January or Ericsson will want to go and there'll be a bit more harmony within the team because there's there's issues in, in terms of Ericsson not being happy and coming out uh, in the public and criticising Conte for not playing him. There's a lot of but, good players to keep happy there, though. That's why I respect yeah. what Lampard is doing at Chelsea at this moment. Yeah. Conte is Conte yeah. struggling with that. No, Conte is a different character, though. Conte does. It, he, I think that Frank is a better man manager. You can t- you can tell the way Frank manages the group, and even in his interviews, 
interviews and whereas Conte is ruthless. Like he, I read something about one of his ex-players that he coached. I don't know if it was uh, Gianluigi Buffon. Um, this is a while ago. Said he can cut you with his words. And uh, and so you know, I can just imagine Antonio Conte what he can actually say to an individual that would really hurt him. He did an interview the other day where Fabio Capello, one of the most famous um, that was Italian coaches, he just didn't answer him. He yeah. just completely blanked him. And you're thinking you're doing this on national television yeah. that you just don't answer someone that's what so respected in the game. Yeah, but Johnny show- Capello knew exactly what he was doing. He was just putting this spanner in the works yeah. and just poking the monkey it, in the cage it, and going, come yeah. on, have a reaction. It was it was funny. It, uh, but it, it's something that um, I think that Inter Milan can push Juventus. I don't think AC Milan can do it. That, that's the shorter answer. But it's nice to see. It's nice to see the uh, the fallen giant in inverted commas back up in contention. And I guess that's uh, that's what everyone is watching. And 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 in Europa League as well. So good to see some competition there in Italy once again. Gents, it's time. We promised it for the Gagan doors, right? The Ballon d'Or was cancelled this year, so we've gone in with our own. This is the one that everyone wants. The Optus Sport Awards, judged by uh, Johnny and Bridgie. Um, but it's a nice way to wrap dumb. up. That's not a, a good little intro for you. <laughs> it's a nice way to wrap up the year. Some 62-odd podcasts later, here we are. And uh, through thick and thin, and it has been one hell of a year. Um, Bridgie, what's the moment you'll never forget? See if you can guess. Oh, jeez. There was a team that had never been there for 16 years. The moment, the moment they got the moment they got promoted. Yeah, the moment Leeds United got promoted, just to be for them after being a playing a, a pivotal part in their their you know their second decent generation. You know when they went on when European football with Eddie Gray and, and the likes. Um, it was just great to be there. I lo- love the fans, the way they embraced myself coming from a championship as a player and um, having to be thrown at the deep end and the years of hurt that they've gone through just to see them finally come back to the Premier League in the cent- after the centennial year. It was just a, a, a magic moment. Yeah, I, I think you can't go past uh, football shutting down due to COVID. I, I, that, that was just a moment that I'll never forget. Hopefully I'll never see it again, but uh, at the moment, it, you know, it still could be on the cards in the future. But uh, talking about a game that I'll never forget was Bayern Munich 8, Barcelona 2. I never thought I would see that. And it could have been 15. You know, I, I think 8 was um, was doing Barcelona a yeah. favour because they just got completely slaughtered. And that will, that will be a game that I'll never forget because Bayern just, they were unbelievable. Uh, I love uh, I love what the Optusport social team had on their scorecard for that game, which was you'd eight to see it with eight oh. two instead of <laughs> boom, eight boom. two. Very good <laughs> on their feet. Now that could very well be the most bizarre moment of the year because Barcelona copping eight in a high stakes Champions League game is right up there. But uh, what was the moment that you, you laughed out loud on Bridgie or the most random or most bizarre thing that you saw this this year? What I loved, I, I love managers. And I love it when they get irate on the sideline and things like that. The the bizarre one for me, or the funniest one, was Frank Lampard in Klopp on the sideline. You've got a, a guy that's won everything and you've got a new new kid on the block, should we say. And he just, Lampard gave it to Klopp in the... 
funniest possible way. And it was almost like the players behind the Liverpool bench were going, he cannot talk to our gaffer like that. And Frank was not phased one bit. He, he really smashed Klopp. Uh, I just love that kind of stuff. And that, that went viral. There was a lot of, because with there being no fans, we heard exactly what they could say. And again, it was the Optus social team that sent something out and it was and brilliant. But bizarre moment, it, it probably wasn't funny and uh, definitely random, was uh, Premier League champions losing to a team that just stayed up uh, 7-2, like Liverpool losing to Aston Villa. I just found that completely bizarre, yeah. you know, that you would never expect that. And, and, and seeing Liverpool now actually top of the table, you know, what the hell happened that place? So, John, oh, I, you've, you've just mentioned two massive results. Barca getting yeah. smashed off by and Liverpool getting smashed off We've just seen Leeds United get destroyed 6-2. We saw Liverpool beat Palace 7-0. There has been some scorelines that you normally see once or twice in Premier League yeah. history in a season. Um, seven Was it 7-0 for Spurs Southampton or 5 I can't remember this season. They, they, no, no, know, that, was, that was six. Uh, no, it was, it was Spurs winning at Man United 6-1. Six six one. One. Yeah, yeah. Be, that's what I mean. It's just yeah. my wife doesn't like football. And she said the other, the other morning, she went, why is there so many crazy scorelines going on? And I, yeah. I couldn't answer it. I just don't know what it is. But that, that has been the most, I, I agree, the bizarre results that have gone around the world during COVID since we've come back. And it's just been weird. Well, during that crazy period, who's been your favourite player to watch? Oh, yeah, you know what, Bridgie? I, I know you like him as a player, and he's one that I, I think if they don't have him in their side, I don't think they're going to get too many results. Uh, I, I love watching Jack Grealish. I think every time yeah. he gets the ball, I know he's not the, the name like a De Bruyne, he's not like the Messi or Ronaldo's that everyone loves watching, but every time Jack Grealish gets the ball, it seems like something's going to happen, and you know. He, He's doing it every game now. So he's at that, and he's not doing it at a big club. And we're talking about no disrespect to Aston Villa, but they're not a club that's going to challenge for the Premier League this season or probably in the near future uh, or Champions League. And he's doing it and, and to any opposition. So I, I love watching him play. I think that at the moment, he's my, one of my favourite players to watch, definitely. I like that. I mean, I said he was more exciting for England, um, like uh, Paul Gascoigne from the past. Players that make you get off your seats and stand up and appreciate it. So I think that's a really good call, John. But I thought you were going to go from. I've got to go back to Tottenham, and it's it's Son. I just love Son. I think I did have him, Bridgie. I did have it. Yeah, but he's another player, John. That I think if he's not there, they really, really struggle. And he's just starting to show his true character as well. He's he's starting to embrace the the culture where he put out a thing saying with his mom and his dad and it was Hunt's um, son and yes, his yes. mum and his dad. Yeah. That was just brilliant. So he's a, he's a player that I really admire. And you think the price bird, uh, the price tag that he came to Spurs for and what he's worth now, uh, yeah, he's just a player I love watching. Uh, the only reason why I took him off, uh, the, well, there's two reasons. I, I couldn't work out whether the Puskas goal was in 2019. And it not was 19. It was on. The, it yeah. was December 2019. Yes. Yeah. And then also under Mourinho, he's seeing less and less of the ball. So I don't like him watching him defend so much. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does he. Oh, do you get, he's got to get a move so we can get the gag and door again. That's 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 one of the consequences of Mourinho. Um, we were a bit downcast earlier on, on Australian football, but John, who's the, been the best Socceroo performer um, and Matilda performer at uh, club level in 2020? Because there's obviously been no international football. Mitch Langerak. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, ditto. 
Yeah, I, I think Mitch Langerak has, has shown uh, that he's a top keeper. I, I've always liked Mitch. I think that uh, when he was uh, burst onto the scene at Melbourne Victory, uh, you know, you had to really uh, hit a, a, a ball in the top corner, Dave, uh, to beat them to the Premier's plate to get past him. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that goal, Dave. <laughs> I was just popping my entire up, Bridgie. Um, but uh, now, nah, Mitch Langerak, I think he's he's been brilliant in Japan. Broken records, keeping clean sheets. Uh, I I wish that he went back to Europe and 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 tried to get back into the Bundesliga or, or one of the top leagues in Europe because I think he's good enough. I I really do. So he's been the the, the star performer, and um, Caitlin Ford. I, I, I like the way she's, uh, you know, Sam Kerr's now finding a feed at Chelsea, but um, Caitlin Ford, I think that she's been superb for Arsenal and I just love the way she plays. Yeah. Who's, who's going to burst onto the scene in world football next year? Who's going to be the young gun to watch? Now, was this European football or was this Australians? Anywhere, anywhere, but, oh, anywhere. I, mean, I think the yeah. I was looking at the Australian boys that are around the country playing who could potentially, you know, we yeah, talked give us, about yeah. who's, I was just thinking who's going to get out there. We all know Harry, Harry Suter's at Stoke. We've got Lachlan Brook at Brentford. But I'll tell you what, Popovich, his boys at Greece, Christian Popovich. Um, I, I'm hoping, you want to see players get a chance and an opportunity in European football. Um, he's had opportunities under his father. I would like to see one of them, just whether it's Stoke getting promoted or Brentford coming back, or Popovich's lad getting a move to a team. I'd like to see an Australian get up next season at the Premier League, and they're the boys that stood out for me. Yeah, good stuff. I like that one, Bridgie. I'll go with European football. Yusufa Mukoku. Is that how you say his name? Something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, for Borussia Dortmund. Everybody's after him. By the way, Bridgie, his goal on the weekend, they ended yeah. up losing uh, to Union Berlin, but his goal was it was brilliant. The way he took it, his his forward run, um, and the way he hit it near post, just above the keeper's head, unbelievable power. And that's what he's got. He's got goals in him. We spoke about him a few weeks ago. I think that uh, how many goals he scored in the second team. At uh, he's broken all records uh, down in the divisions that are a little bit lower. So I think he's going to be the one that really will burst onto the scene in twenty twenty one. At the tender age of barely sixteen, barely, and a half. barely yeah, sixteen and a half years old. <laughs> this, this is the difference I'm talking about. At sixteen years of age, you, you know, you've if you're in these academies, you're going to get your chance by the time you're eighteen. If you're not, you're gone. This is why it's so hard. We we talk about the Australians. I look at the American national team. We discussed in a podcast recently yep. as well. Uh, they, they, their average age was like twenty or something. Yeah, mental. So yeah, good call. Yeah, keep an eye out for him. His youth stats, I'm trying to fire them quickly, but I can't. They're, they're ridiculous. Out of this world, ridiculous. Out of this world, ridiculous. Um, best and worst Premier League signing uh, this season? Um, there's a, there's a cho- bit of choice for both. Oh, I, I think this season it has to be, and this season, I'm not talking about this current season, I'm talking mm. about in 2020. Mm-mm-mm. Bruno Fernandes signed in. Yeah. Uh, he give it away earlier on. Yep, he's been my favourite signing. I think yeah. that uh, he's he's been one that's really. We talk about Jack Grealish there being the one that makes uh, Aston Villa tick. Son uh, and Kane at uh, Tottenham, but it, without Bruno Fernandes, Man United wouldn't even make top six. Yeah. I think Imagine that it. with him, 
with him. They're, they're a chance to actually still make Champions League again for next season and maybe with a little bit of luck even push uh, Liverpool. And your worst? Oh, I don't look at the worst. I'm not a, I'm a half, uh, a glass half full. I don't like to look at, uh, you know, you can't go past Joel. Linton, but he signed about three years ago, didn't he? I, I, t- I tell you what, Arsenal fans might uh, be nominating Villiers. I've got to say, I'm coming. For, I've, I've got one for you. I've see John went for 2020. If it was, if that was the case, I would have had Fernandez as well, completely. But I'd, I'd looked at it from this season with yeah. Thiago Silva coming in at Chelsea. Yep. Grealish re-signing. I think yep. that was a major Fair. coup for them. Ollie Watkins has come yep. in and done amazing things. He's shown that the a Championship player can make the step up. And a player that I really admire, Rodriguez, coming in at Everton. They left foot one. It was good to see him in the Premier League. But I've gone for Jota of Liverpool for the best signing. Oh, um, I yeah. just think he's given them, an, uh, instead of seeing an Origi come on to save the day, you know, you've got a man now that's pushing them from three, four in a regular spot. So that, that was a good one. And then the worst player, I like you say, I've, I looked through a few of the Arsenal signings. Uh, and the one for me was William coming from Chelsea. The first game he played for Arsenal after moving, he was absolutely magnificent. And he's just gone into hibernation and he has just gone, you know what it is? Stuff this. I'm down in tools. And his performance the day was disgraceful. I, I, <laughs> and listening to the guys on the Arsenal um, Arsenal TV, it was just Williams bleep, Williams bleep, the lazy bleep. So he gets it for me. It's really disappointing. Yeah, there's a there's a big there's a prominent Arsenal blog called the Ars Blog, and uh, he's calling him the worst signing in Arsenal history. Um, so <laughs> it's a pretty big call, but he's really annoying a lot of Arsenal supporters with his yeah. output. So, uh, geez, as a Chelsea fan, he gave us great service over the years, but I think you're fair to say Lampard got rid of him at the right time. All right, the podium's up. No Ballon d'Or this year, but uh, the Gagan d'Or, the three players that make the gold, silver and bronze for Johnny and Bridgie. Now, I've given you the choice whether it's Premier League only or overall or both. Open up the carpet for you. What have we got? We'll go to you. You look very excited, Bridgie. I'll go with you first. The anticipation's killing you. Oh, no, I was just hoping that John had something so he could inspire me. All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it away. I'm a goal scorer. Um, I've gone for Lewandowski. Um, the amount of goals that that man scored has just been absolutely insane. And I think he did miss out on an award. Was it the Golden Boot or something he missed out on? No, it? no, he missed out on the Ballon d'Or. It yeah, was a Ballon d'Or, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, so that's yeah. why he's getting my gig and door because of that that moment. Um, I don't think you can look past... I've gone for a bit of an old god. You can't go past Ronaldo. Uh, what he has done at Juve since he's moved. Now he's done it in three countries. Um he just ceases to amaze me. And the, the other man that I'm going for is another absolute ancient legend that gets better with age. And he's playing Serie A, they're top of the league. It's AC Milan and it's Latan Ibrahimovic. I just, I don't know how he does it or what he does. He's a true professional. And I love players that are arrogant and egotistical, but they back it up. I can't stand these false Players that I've played with in the past, Kieran Dye was one of them. I don't mind saying that. They're just full of wind. Um, he he backs it up and he does what he's about. Uh, the, you know what? I, I, I actually will agree with you, Bridgie, for once. Lewandowski is, uh, for me, the Ballon d'Or, not Ballon d'Or, Gegendor winner because he, he was by far the best player this season. Yeah. Consistent scoring every game, uh, won the Champions League. And, and I still believe, I like that, you know, a lot of the time it's who wins a Champions League or who wins a World Cup or whoever. 
normally you get a play from that uh, that team. So he definitely would win it. I would call someone from Liverpool because they way they won the Premier League. I think they they won it by country mile. And uh, I thought Mane is that we spoke about him before. I think without him in the side, they're nowhere near as strong. And I I just love watching him play. Um, And then I'll go for, I'm going to go for one that's very much maligned, Dave. Neymar. It was talk about Neymar at the beginning of last season, not being, you know, uh, his heart's not in it at Paris Saint-Germain. The supporters were against him. The press were against him. He wanted out of France. They wanted him out of France. He stuck it out and proved to everyone that uh, he could actually turn that Paris Saint-Germain team into contenders in the Champions League. And they did. They went to the, the final. Yes, he probably didn't perform the way he would have liked in the final. But um, I would say that Neymar was up there. Do you want my Nostradamus? We're oh, Nostradamus. End. That's where we're going to end. And oh, Bridget, Bridget you usually gonna... get these wrong, though. You're Nostradamus, but you get them wrong. This is why you've... John, these aren't just moments. These are visions. These are... When I look into my big nose and I get this reflection in the window and I see, I just see these visions of things that are going to happen in the future, mate. Uh, yeah. this, one, this one will throw you. I'm seeing Vision's going to be looking at you, that Olaf snowman carrot nose coming out of your screen for the last hour. <laughs> I had to take it off. I was getting too hot, man. Christmas jumpers are not made for Australia. I've had to change it to a T-shirt. Go on. I want to know the big call for 2021. Um, and, and just quietly, if there was one that you made over the last year that you would like us to uh, wipe from the Optusport archives as well. Uh, all of them, please. <laughs> Every single one of them. No, this is, this is going out there. I'll stick by it. Messi will leave Barcelona and go to Manchester City. Oh. And Ronaldo will join Manchester United. And they will oh. go head to head again in the Premier League. That is a big, At big the end of call, this Richie. season. Watch this yeah. space. That is a big call. Mine's nowhere near as big as that. Mine is more... <laughs> but it's, it's all proportional, team. John. It's all the nostril dampers proportional. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. My nose is not as big as Bridgie, so I have to scale it down a little bit. I'm going to go for who's going to be the Euro winners. Yep. I think that there could be about eight teams that could win the Euro, eight countries that could win the Euro, but I'm going to throw Spain as my team that will win it. With a very young side, I think that the way that they're performing, that 6-0 win against Germany uh, showed what they're capable of doing. And I think with Luis Enrique in charge, they're going to be the winners um, and it's going to be a cracking competition. And where can you watch it, Bridgie? Only on Optus Sport. Exactly right. So that's my nostril damas for 2021. Oh, brilliant. And on that note, gents, we've made it. It's been one hell of a year. But you know what? We are so lucky because through thick and thin, we've been able to sit here and talk football. And we're blessed to be able to do that. We're blessed that the sport's given us all something to hang on to during the year. Hopefully a distraction for everyone during a tough time. Hopefully this show has been a bit of fun for our listeners, whether you've been listening to it or reading from it, from the articles that come from it or watching on the Optusport app or social channels. Uh, That's what we genuinely hope. So thank you both for joining me so often. What I do have to say, Dave, is that COVID, the days were long, but the year flew past. And that was because we're talking about football. I, uh, even though it's been a tough year, football has been, uh, I think, better than ever. I, I, I really do. 
let's hope the crowds get back in to enjoy it again. I know there's been a, you know, a few stadiums that had a, a couple of thousand people there in the Premier League, but the football itself, I, I think that football is just getting better and better and we're just privileged to be part of such a, a wonderful sport. It's, it's made mm-hmm. people realise what it is about. You know, the, the, at times in my career when I was injured and you're thinking about giving it all up, but you, you, when you get a taste of it once again, it's that, it's that buzz, that feeling. Um, that's a, I think that's exactly what the players have felt, the coaches and the fans around the world. And um, Merry Christmas to everybody listening, especially to you two lads. Enjoy it. All the best. I've um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's great to have a bit of banter and talk serious. And um, stay safe, everybody, and Happy New Year. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Well Merry said. Christmas. Yes, so look, there's a stack of football between now and the next gag and pod, the Premier League this weekend, Boxing Day, New Year's period. We'll be back early in 2021. Good riddance to 2020 uh, to do it all again with your midweek football fix. So as ever or more than ever, until the next gag and pod, thanks for your company and enjoy your football. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.